Good evening to here tonight. So thankful and grateful for your presence. Semester, especially to those that are visiting with us. We're always thankful and grateful for you. And we hope that you'll come back and be with us at every time that you have. And also those that are watching online, we're always thankful for them as they're able to be able to tune in with us and be able to enjoy the worship as well, even though they're at home. We're going to be looking tonight at Psalm 55, and it becomes very apparent that David was burdened in life. And by way of reflection, when you go back and you look at many of the Psalms, you'll find that David and some of the other writers were facing some unbelievable circumstances in their lives. They found themselves distraught. They found themselves depressed in despair. And yet, what did they do? What we should do. And that's turn to the Lord. They turned to God. There are times in life when we face any number of burdens and burdens come in many shapes and forms. And what we need to do is we need to turn to the Lord. David, I believe, provides with us some wise counsel on how to handle the burdens of life there in verse 22 of Psalm 55. He said, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And so tonight as we look at Psalm 55, we're going to be talking about casting our burdens on the Lord. Let's begin by talking about the despair of King David. I think sometimes when we look back at some of the great characters of Scripture, people like Abraham, David, and Moses, and really others as well, that we have the idea that they were spiritual giants that were immune, immune to heartache and problems. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth because they were just human beings like you and I, and they had a lot of heartache, and they had a lot of problems. And when you add to that trials and temptations, there was very much that going on in their life as well. And yet when you look at the scriptures, you'll find that God in his wisdom has seen fit to provide for us an array of circumstances in the lives of some of the greatest servants that we have here in his word. And so when we begin to look at some of these great men, some of these great women of God, in the Old and New Testament alike, you're going to find out that they were human beings just like us, that they had heartaches, they had trials, they had temptations in life, just like we do. And yet with the help of God, there it is, with the help of God, they made it through those times of difficulty. It is my conviction that with the help of God, we too can make it through whatever burdens that'll come our way in this life. Again, let's look at the despair of King David. When you read this Psalm, one of the things that stands out is the hurt of David. Because David is deeply cut or deeply hurt as he reflects upon the circumstances that are before him. And so as we think about his despair, David here catalogs his emotions, verses 1 through 5. Notice, 
he describes his emotional state and he begins by talking about his agitation. Notice what he says. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they do hate me. Then in verses 4 through 5, he speaks of his, his anguish. Notice. He says, my heart is sore pain within me and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. Here we find ourselves into the mental state and the duress of King David. And David is severely hurt. He's extremely overwhelmed with emotion. But then there's a second thing I want you to see. And that is his emotional state as the result of his enemies. And David characterizes his enemies. Notice again, verse 3. Again, David speaks of his enemy and he says, Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Wow. As we think about the hatred of the enemy, the interesting part about the circumstances David found himself is that the enemy was somebody that had been very close to him. It had been a close companion, if you will. And we go back and we look at the Old Testament and we think about a number of individuals who no doubt had problems with David. We think about King Saul. Yes, King Saul, David's own son, Absalom. And I, you, you might remember how Absalom had stole the hearts of the people away from King David. In 2 Samuel 15, the Bible talks about how there was this great conspiracy against David. And guess who led the charge? Absalom. Absalom did, and they were increasing in number. That is, the followers of Absalom were continually increasing in number against the king. And so first of all, he said that with regard to his enemy, that they hated him. But then secondly, he speaks of the hypocrisy of his enemy. Before we look at the hypocrisy of his enemy, drop down and look with me, if you will, to verse 12. Notice what he said here in Psalm 55. Notice verse 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. You know, sometimes... When we think about individuals that have done us wrong, there are times when acquaintances and people that we worked with to go to school with or for whatever reason turn against us and they do us wrong. But what we find out sometimes is those that have done that are usually the ones that are the closest to us. As sad as that may seem. And that's what David is talking about. Here's somebody very, very close to David. I tend to think it, that it very well may have been his own son, his own son, Absalom. 
And so there is this blood relationship that exists between those, those two. And yet Absalom sought to steal the kingdom from David and undermine David. But then drop down to verse 20. Notice the hypocrisy of his enemy. In verse 20 he said, He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. Now notice verse 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. I've never heard that before. That's pretty smooth, isn't it? But war was in his heart, he said. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords? Sometimes people will speak kindly and graciously face to face with you, and then as soon as you're out of their presence, (laughs) wow, unbelievable. As soon as you turn your back, they stick you right there in the bag. That's really the circumstances that King David has found himself. When he is face to face, everything's all right. But when I'm out of his presence, he's seeking to undermine me. And he says, when just listening to him, you would think that we have a great relationship. But he said, war was in his heart. His enemy sought to bring him down. Relentless. There's a second thing that we see in our study tonight. And that's the desire of King David and his hope. First of all, we, we notice, notice with me his thoughts of escape. You know, sometimes when life is, is really swirling and problems are, are just mounting and trials and tribulations are coming away, we, we typically think that, that we're, we're about to try to what? We're trying to escape, aren't we? We're trying to, just to, if we could just get away from that, we won't have to deal with it. Listen to what David said beginning in verse 6. He said, and I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then would I fly away. Escape, right? Lo, then when I wander far off and remained in the wilderness, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. He describes his situation as some kind of a windy storm and and a tempest that's raging and really what he's saying here is that if he could at all possible be able to remove him from that situation that's exactly what he would do oh if he had the wings like a dove right question when sometimes when life is at a breaking point when the burdens seem to be coming down mounting in your life do you ever think about just trying to get away for just a little while oh yes i believe everybody in here can say at one time or another or maybe quite a few times you've thought if i could just get away for just a moment everything might get better to remove yourself from the storm Have you ever thought how great it would be just to be able to fly away? To be able to flee away? To just get lost somewhere? And if your answer is yes, you're not alone because many of us have felt like that. Sometimes when the problems of life are weighing heavily upon us, what we want to do is escape. And that's what David wanted to do. I said a moment ago that when you look at David and Abraham, some of the great characters of Scripture, you begin to look into their mental state, you find out that they're not much different from us. In fact, they had a lot in common with us. Why? 
because they're human beings just as we are human beings. And so David wanted to fly away. He wanted to flee away, but then he turns his thoughts toward the enemy. As we think about his thoughts of escape and his thoughts about the enemy, in verses 9 to 11, David begins to, to talk about the enemy in a very forthright way, forthright way. And what he wants God to do is deal with the enemy. Now, there are certain, certain sections of the Psalms that are typically called the imprecatory Psalms. And the idea is that the psalmist is calling for justice. He's calling for the justice of God. God, would you just deal with the enemy? And so David here speaks of his enemy. He's looking to God to step in and avenge him of his enemy. I think David, if you read the psalm, you'll find out that David understood here that the enemy wasn't going to change his heart. No way. He wasn't going to change his mind. And so they needed their minds changed. And it was going to take God to do it. And so beginning in verse 9, here's what David said of Psalm 55. Look at verse 9. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from their streets. And then look at verse 15. He says, let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell for wickedness is their dwellings and among them. Verse 23 now. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. When it's all said and done in life, Who's going to balance the scales and the exact justice? Almighty God. God tells us that we're not to take vengeance into our own hands. Over and over again in the scriptures, they talk about, but rather, really, they talk about that, but rather we are to allow God in his good time to take care of those things, and he will. Who are we to, to try to force God to, to uh, try his hand against those people. But I believe when you look at David and some of the other writers of the Psalms and you think about some of the enemies that were mounting against him, you have to understand here, you have to understand that God was going to take care of them in his good, his own good time. And he will do the same today. Whoever is against us, if you're wronged or whatever, listen, leave it in the hands of God. He has the ability and the power to take care of it. Cash your burdens unto the Lord. Now, the third thing I want us to see in our study tonight is the deliverance of King David. Here we have his health. And when I think about the life of David and some of the things really that, that he underwent in his life, I see that David had a lot of good times, but he had, a lot, he had some bad times as well. He had his share of persecutions, his share of trials and tribulations. He succumbed to temptation. He, he had a wide range of things in his life, and he saw a wide range of things. But think about this. When times are tough, when we are under duress, and we feel like we are discouraged, wouldn't it be bleak if there were no help at all? 
If there was nowhere we could go, can you imagine going through life weighed down by innumerable burdens with no hope? I can't even imagine. With no help on the horizon, I can't even imagine. And what you have to understand is, David had somebody that would help him. That same person that helped David will help you. And that's God. God will always be there. And so we talked about his prayerfulness to God. Here's David. He's pouring out his heart to Almighty God. And what he's going to do is pray to Jehovah God. But go back and look at verses 1 and 2 of our text here. Where David said, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. What is it that David wants? He, he wants God to give him his undivided attention. You know, when we have problems or burdens in life, is it not the case that from our perspective, from our vantage point, with our burdens and our problems, are they more important than everyone else's? Yeah, at that particular time they are. But so maybe sometimes we don't look at things that way. But what David is saying in this psalm is, God, please hear me. Listen to my prayer. Do we have the assurance that God's going to listen to us? Absolutely. He's told us that. We need not worry about that. When you bow in prayer to Almighty God, you don't have to question whether or not God is listening because as a child of God, He's always listening. That's one of the great spiritual blessings that God has bestowed on you and me. And the Bible says that for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers. 1 Peter 3.12 It was Solomon, the son of David, that said that the prayer of the upright is his delight. Psalm, or Proverbs 15.8 That is, it's God's delight. God delights in hearing from His children. And when they are burdened, you better believe He delights in hearing from His children. And so here's what he said. Look at verse 17. He says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. David trusted in prayer, didn't he? Very much so. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe that prayer has the power to be able to help you to deal with the various circumstances of life? Yes. Here's what James said in James 5.16. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, he said. All James is saying is that prayer works. It works. Why does it work? Because Almighty God is on His throne and He's listening to our prayers and He's at work in our lives. I think sometimes people have the misunderstanding that God is unconcerned and unmoved by their problems. Sometimes even Christians have the idea that God's too busy to help them in times of need. Oh, I know that there's, there's times like, wow, what else is going to happen? What else? I've been through this, this, and this, this, and this. I can list them out. And it's just like, what else is there? But God's there. David believed 
Number one, that God would save him. And that number two, that God would sustain him. Listen again to what he said, verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Then look at verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In Psalm 46 and verse 1, the psalmist tells us there that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. But listen to what he says in Psalm 56, 8. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know. Why? For God is with me. God is for me. So here's David, and David is saying, God's mindful of his tears, and that God is on his side. The songs that we have the opportunity to sing together emphasize our turning to God. Why? Because he cares. Whatever the burdens, whatever the problem, whatever the heartache, God cares. He will always care. There are two things that I want us to think about. Number one is that God will not forget his people. Has God ever forgotten his people? I mean, you've been reading the Bible and, and hopefully, have, have you seen that where God has actually forgotten his people? Never got, God never forgot about them. You read about the, the lives of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you read about their lives. Read about Daniel, read about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, some of the great prophets of God. We've been studying Ezekiel on Sunday morning. Look at the New Testament and read about the trials and the tribulations of the early church. And guess what? Every time God was right there with his people. God did not forget his people. And God will not forget his people. There's a second thing. Not only will God not forget his people, he will not fail his people. There are some times in life when people will fail us. They promise to do this or that. They will assure us that they will stand by us. Then they, then, that they will be there for us. That they'll help us in whatever state we find ourselves in. And then what happens? When the problem comes, where are they? We don't know where they are. The trials of life escalate. The burdens are mounting. Where is everyone? They're gone. No one is there. What happened? They failed us. And I believe that what David and what the other writers of Scripture are saying is, that, look, God's not going to fail his people. He will not fail his people. There are a lot of passages of Scripture that ought to bring us hope and comfort. I believe that one of the hallmark passages is found in 2 Timothy 4 when, when Paul had said on one occasion, he says, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all, all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may be, not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding that the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and shall preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God doesn't fail his people. He doesn't forget his people. 
Look at Paul in and out of prison, troubles galore. And yet, where was the Lord? <laughs> right there. Every time. He was right there. Right there beside him the whole time. Remember the words of the Hebrew writer when he said, Speaking on behalf of God, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly so. The Lord is my helper. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. What was David saying? I have a help me. And that helper is Almighty God. And I'm thankful. And so David's prayerfulness to God. And then there's a second thing that we see. And that is David's peacefulness in God. Look at verse 18. David said, He had delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many with me. David found peace with God. In God. Is it not the case that today that we can find peace in God? You know, just a moment ago, I talked about David's thoughts of escape and, and said that David wanted to fly away. He wanted to flee away. Sometimes that's how we feel in the midst of burdens or trials. In Matthew 6 and verse 5, uh, Jesus talks about those that demonstrate lives of piety so that they might be seen by men. And he said... Well, they, they, they shall have their reward. They think that they can have all the accolades of the men even today. But he says, one day, one day they shall have their reward. They do things externally so that people will look at them and talk about what a great godly person they are. But in verse 6, he talked about prayer. And he said, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And my father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. David prayed to God many times, didn't he? David said, even in the morning at noon, I will pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear my voice. Sometimes we want to escape. We want to somehow withdraw from what's around us. Here's, what, here's how we do that. Find a solitary place. That's what Jesus was telling us. He says, get, get off by yourself somewhere. Maybe, maybe go home. Maybe take a drive. Find a solitary place where it's just you and God. Jesus used the closet as a, as a means. And he was just saying, go to some place where it's just you and God. Wherever that might be. Shut the door. You pray to God in secret. You're all alone. You're all alone with God. The God who has the ability and the power to help you with your burdens. And when we do that, we escape in a sense from what's really going on around us, don't we? There's a measure of peace that's afforded us. Go with me, if you will, for just a moment. Because I want you, I want you to read this in, in Philippians chapter 4, if you will. And I want you to, to notice this specifically because this is a, a tremendous passage of Scripture. And, and, and rather than quoting it, I want us to read it together. This Philippians chapter 4 in verse 5. Now, I, I want these words to sink deeply into our hearts. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul says to the church at Philippi, he says, let your moderation or gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord is close by. He's nearby. Do you have burdens in life? The Lord is close by. Verse 6, he said, be anxious for nothing. 
That is, don't worry. Don't be filled with anxiety. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And now look at verse 7. Here Paul said, And the peace of God, there it is, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Paul here is saying that when you turn to God in prayer, with all of your anxieties, with all of your, your worries and troubles and trials and tribulations and burdens, what can you expect? The Lord to be right there beside you. Look at verse 7. He says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's it. Now look at verse 13. Sometimes we ask the question, how in the world will we make it another day? How are we going to make it? Things are dark and dreary and gloomy. I just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I'm weak. I'm in despair. I'm discouraged. I feel like giving up. Is there a source of strength? Listen to what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And then sometimes we ask the question, is God able to supply me with the things that I need in this life? I just had a lady tell me this morning, and I won't tell you, tell you her name because I don't want to embarrass her. She might feel embarrassed. But she told me this morning, I am so thankful because I don't know what else I would to do and how I'd be able to do it without for her and her family. When I am upside down in trouble, when I am under duress, when I'm facing trials and tribulations, burdens and sorrows, is it possible for Almighty God to intervene on my behalf? Give me the things that I need? Verse 19. Notice the personal touch here of Philippians 4. Paul said, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Does God know when I need what I need, what I need in life? Does God truly understand? The burdens that I'm facing in this life. Can he really understand my poor health, my diseased body, the persecutions that I'm facing, the trials that I'm, I'm going through, the tribulations that I have, the financial problems that I have? Can he understand? Absolutely. He can understand. The second question is, does he care? Thank you, Brother Jim. He sang that. He led that song just a moment ago. We sang it together as, as the family of God. And we sang about Jesus Christ and the fact that he does care. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. David said, cast thy burden upon the Lord. What did he promise to do? And he shall sustain thee. Psalm 55, 22. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, here's what Peter said. And now what Peter said is the New Testament commentary on what David was saying Peter said casting all thy care upon him why for he that is God careth for you now think about all that casting all A-L-L -L, your cares 
upon him, for he careth for you. What did Paul say in Philippians 4 and verse 19? But my God shall supply all, A-L-L, your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What should we take from this? When you have burdens in life, cast them on the Lord. When we face a number of circumstances and situations in life, cast them on the Lord. And there are times in life when we face situations, cast them on the Lord. We don't, we don't know where to turn sometimes. We don't know what to do. And sometimes we'll ask people, what do you think we ought to do? How do you think we ought to handle this? Let me give you some scriptural advice on being able to handle the burdens that you face in our life. Here it is. Cast them on the Lord. That's right. Give it to, the God. Give it to God. Why? Because he will sustain us. And the Bible says that if you do that, if we will do that, I believe God will bless our lives. For you see, God wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him in good times and bad times. He wants us to trust him when the sun is shining and when the rain is coming down. God wants us to trust him come what may. And when you read about David's life, that's what you're going to find out. His life in service to God is about trust. It's about walking in faith. Paul said, for we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And so we want to ask the question, where are you, spiritually speaking? Where are you tonight, spiritually speaking? What about your, your relationship to the Lord? I, I, I don't want to belabor this, but I know that, that it always comes to my mind. And even when I'm putting this together, I, I can't help but think about the words of Eva J. Methvin who says, I can't understand how anybody can live this life without God by their side. I can't understand either. I'm with her. I don't know. But when the troubles come, when the burdens have come, and they come very heavily sometimes, where do we go? What do we do? You cast your burdens on the Lord. You might be here not a Christian, not a child of God. We hope that you'll make that decision to do it tonight. Tomorrow may be too late. We never know what's going to happen on the morrow. Here today, gone tomorrow, right? Talked about that this morning. But we need to be always prepared when that time does come. If it is tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or next year. Whenever that time is, always be prepared. And Jesus has given us every opportunity to be prepared. And it's up to us. By faith, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that belief, to repent of our sins and turn away from those things that we've been doing wrong, start doing things right, make that good confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and put Him on in baptism. Literally be clothed with Him, Galatians 3.27. And then to live faithfully. After you come up out of the waters of baptism and a new life, a new person, with a new attitude and a new way to continue to live faithfully in that way. And to know that no matter what comes your way, no matter what the devil can throw at you, he can't do anything to you. He can't hurt you because why? God is on your side. And if God can be for us, who can be against us? I read that in a book somewhere as well. 
If, you know, if you're in need of the gospel call, we hope that you'll make that decision. Maybe you wandered off, come back. We'll pray with you for you. Time is now. Won't you come? It's together.